Good morning. Welcome to Theresa Baptist Church. Um, you'll have to use your hymn books today because we kind of had this block. So if everyone would stand, we're going to sing hymn 199, O Come All You Faithful, verses 1 and 2 only. Please, before you're seated, take time to shake someone's hand and smile at them, especially if you see a visitor. Let's do that right now. Thank you for coming today. I'm glad y'all are awake and are live, and it sounds like you are. But thank you so much, and for those that might be visitors with us, thank you so very much for coming. If you are here for the first time, if you fill out one of the visitors' cards, we would appreciate that very, very much. Got a little security issue there, all right? Don't give me no static, Steve. My popular request, they want me to show my Christmas socks, all right? <laughs> and I had a strange thing that happened this week. I had an endoscopy, and they forgot to get the light out. That's actually my Christmas time. Come, come on. 
Stan's going to lead us in prayer, I hope. <laughs> Let us pray. Most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be in your house. We thank you for this day you've provided us with. We thank you for your love and your grace and most of all your son who's our Savior. We thank you, Father, for Herbert and everyone here at the church. And we just pray that you will open our hearts and minds for his word, for your word through him, Father, that we may receive it and go out and, and be disciples for you. Be with us during this service and during the Sunday school hour and the 11 o'clock service. Be with the kids as Kip provides a service at 11 o'clock. We ask this all in Christ's holy and precious name. Amen. Amen, amen. Thank you, Stan. Thank you, thank you. A lot going on today and this week. Uh, as I hope all of you know, uh, at the 11 o'clock service, as well as the 6 o'clock service this evening, uh, the Kids in Praise, our children's choir, will be presenting their Christmas program. And so, again, if you normally go home after Sunday school, uh, you can come tonight and hear them again. And I appreciate Tommy Jean and the adults that work with them and all the hard work that they have done in preparation for this program. So please be in prayer for them. Uh, also, uh, today we begin our week of prayer for international missions. In your bulletin is a prayer guide for this coming week, and it will introduce you to some of our International Mission Board missionaries and also have prayer requests for them and for their ministries. And so I pray that you will uh, look at this and you will uh, use it during this coming week. We'll take up the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, which basically is half of the um, annual budget of the International Mission Board. And, uh, and we'll take that up throughout the month of, uh, of December. Our goal is $6,000 and the, uh, the goal, the international goal is $175 million. So please, please pray that that would be met, both our goal and also the national goal. Our mission friends and GAs and RAs uh, for a number of years have been trying to help other needy families uh, with, with getting gifts for Christmas, and they've done that by having a biscuit sale between the 8.30 and service and Sunday school, and they're going to do that again today. And um, if you would, if you stay for the fellowship time, please help them out as they'll, I don't know how many families they're going to be helping this year, but they'll be doing that. So please, please um, support them in that. Um, and this Wednesday night, they'll meet at Walmart to pick up the, um, the shop for the gifts for, for these families. Uh, tomorrow night, the handbell practice. Tuesday night, the Bible study. And on Wednesday night is our missions night. Uh, followed by the adult choir practice. Friday, the youth will have a fundraiser. Uh, Saturday is the annual uh, Senior Citizens Dinner, and if you haven't signed up for that yet, uh, please do that so that they'll know how many people to prepare for. Next Sunday at the end of the 11 o'clock service, we'll have a service of Believer's Baptism, and also that night the, the Iwanis will have their Christmas program. Uh, the kids' missions groups will meet Wednesday night, uh, on the 14th to wrap the gifts that they purchased for the families. Next Sunday, we'll have available the 2017 budget, and we'll um, vote on that on December the 14th. 
And let me add one other thing on that night that we vote on the budget. We're also going to bring, uh, we need some parking lot maintenance done, and we've got information on that, and we'd like to get that done as soon as possible. Um, the 21st, the church-wide caroling, that's on a Wednesday night. We'll leave the church about 530. We encourage all to be a part of that. And just for your calendar, uh, on Christmas Day, Christmas falls this year on on Sunday, and we will have an 11 o'clock service only, and we certainly encourage you to come with your family and come as you are, okay? Uh, this morning, there's a lot of folks that we want to lift up to the Lord in prayer. Uh, please continue to remember Joe Lee in Concord. He is in a hospital there. Uh, Rachel Carver at the Bryan Center. Emma Jane Clayton has been put back in Hillcrest Rehab. Uh, Duke Regional, we've been asked to pray for Billy Trembley, and that's part of Larry Honeycutt's family. And also, Larry's uh, sister-in-law, Billy Joe Honeycutt, is in the hospital in Rex, uh, in Rex Hospital in Raleigh. Please add these folks at Duke. Uh, Gail Wallace's, excuse me, Gail Shaw's father, Fleetwood Wallace, has been there since, uh, since Thursday night, had, had a procedure done on Friday. And also, Amber Austin, who comes to our church, uh, her mother, Amy Tingen, uh, is also at Duke. Please remember Doug Carver this week. Uh, he'll be having a cancer checkup on Tuesday. Others at home, Helen and Weldon Bowes, uh, Elma Clayton, Carolyn Fuller. Carolyn came home um, this week from Duke, so please continue to remember her in prayer uh, Marvin Giles, Bud Hall, Alton Reeves, Geraldine Solomon, Brenda Stegall, Matthew Thornburg, Donald Wilson, Rick Wilbert, Donna Wilburn, Pam Wren, Charles Westbrook, Barbara Winstead, Joyce Wren, and Texie Wren. And please continue to remember for some folks out of town, I want to mention uh, Linda Thaxton's dad again, Clyde Yarborough, who is now in uh, uh, a rehab center after being in the hospital for for a number of days. Join with me now as we pray together. Yes, ma'am, Jeanette. Jeanette is asking prayer for a nine-year-old that's in... Okay. Okay. Well, there's family, and they're in the Richmond area, correct? Okay. 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 Let's pray together then. Father, we are grateful that although you already know the needs of everyone whom we've mentioned or have recorded on the prayer list, you know their needs, but yet, Lord, you allow us to be part of the ministry of healing and of comfort. And so, Father, we lift all these folks up to you. God, we are so grateful that you are a faithful God. And, Lord, I thank you that your mercy carries us through everything that we face in this life. And, God, I thank you for this season of the year as we think about how much you do love us and what your Son gave up to leave heaven to come to this earth not only to, to preach and to teach and to heal and minister, but most especially to die on the cross so that we might be set free from our sins 
and we could be adopted into the family of God because of your mercy and your grace. God, please bless every person that is here this day. Lord, what a special day it is that not only we can hear preaching of your word, but God, we can, we can see your word um, portrayed by our kids in praise, and we just pray that you'll bless them, Lord, both services today. God, for all the many activities planned for this month, may it draw us all closer to you. And Father, may we never forget that Jesus is truly the reason for the season. And so, God, please bless us in these moments. And again, we lift up many, many folks to you. And we lift up ourselves, Father, with all of our burdens and our concerns and our needs. God, we just pray that you'll bless our homes and our marriages and our families and God, that you'll bless this church. We're unworthy, Lord, of all your blessings, but we thank you and we praise you. And as we pray together, we remember again the prayer that your son taught his disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And this morning, because we do have the Kids in Praise program, we're not using the overhead. So I, I want to ask you if you would, and I want to give you just a second to turn in your bulletins if you don't have them open. Uh, to the verse of the month. Um, if you and I are going to fully understand what this season is all about, we must understand the meaning of this verse, John 1.14. And let's read this. This is going to be out of the Living Bible, but please, let's read this together, okay? And Christ became a human being and lived here on earth among us and was full of loving forgiveness and truth. And some of us have seen his glory, the glory as the only son of the heavenly father. Before Tommy Jean comes to lead us in our next hymn, two other things. The devotional materials for December and the quarterly ones are up here if you didn't get one last week. And also, I want to mention again the Lottie Moon Christmas mailboxes. Uh, one of the ways that we've been able to get um, offering for the Lottie Moon offering Rather than you mailing your Christmas cards to church members, would you bring them here and put them in the Lottie Moon mailboxes that are scattered around the church? And rather than putting postage on it, would you, would you give what you would have spent on postage to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering? The, the, um, the cards will be distributed around the church, but that is for the church family only, okay? All right. Okay, okay, and Linda, who is the Baptist Women's Director, asked that when you give to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, put Lottie Moon by the amount, okay? All right, thank you. Before we're saying, I just want to thank you for your support of KIPP, and I just want to let you know the three girls who are going to share um, at the special music time are my three fifth graders this year, three very special young ladies, and they've been with KIPP since they were little, so... Um, if you have a chance to come back to the 11 or tonight, they have some other songs they're singing also, and it's just, it's a blessing. 
to your heart. So, but thank you. So let's all stand and we'll sing hymn number 175 and we'll do verses 1, 3, and 4. Mike, would you lead us in prayer, please?
They might not want to hear me, Tommy Jane. I'm supposed to laugh. Um, it's a hard act to follow, isn't it? Thank you, ladies. Thank you, thank you. Look, because this morning we do not have the overhead, please turn in your Bibles. I hope you always do, and I hope that the overheads are not an excuse for you not to bring your Bible. But please turn in your Bibles to John chapter 1. We started on this last, uh, last Sunday. And uh, I want to tell you one thing. I think that this text, you could preach on it for months because it is so rich with what God has done for us and what Christmas is all about. So please, again, turn to John chapter 1. I'm going to be reading out of the Living Bible. Let me read the first 18 verses, okay? And... Let me point something out. I'm not going to be preaching yet, but I just want to point something out that I just noticed. Um, The first five verses are about eternity before Jesus came to the earth. Really just in reading over the scripture again this morning, this just came to, to my understanding that you see, And the point we've been trying to make, the story of Jesus began not about 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem, but the story of Jesus coming to this earth to die for sinners began before creation, in eternity, in the heart and in the mind of our Heavenly Father and of His Son and of the Holy Spirit. And so, folks, I want you to just understand, in verses 1 through 5, 
John has been giving, given an understanding of eternity before God created mankind. And, and with that in mind, just listen to these verses. John says, and again, I'm reading out of the Living Bible, before anything else existed, there was Christ with God. He has always been alive and is himself God. He created everything there is. Nothing existed that he didn't make. Eternal life is in him, and this life gives light to all mankind. His life is the light that shines through the darkness. And again, in Scripture, the darkness is always symbolic of sin and man's rebellion and the work of Satan. And light is symbolic of the salvation that God brings to us through his Son. And the darkness can never extinguish it. Now, then beginning with verse 6, John gives one of the witnesses of who Jesus is. And again, remember that the prophet Isaiah had, had prophesied that before the Savior would come, there would be one who would come before him and prepare the way. And so... Do you see how John, led of the Holy Spirit of God, is beginning to shape up what he's telling us? He takes us to eternity, tells us that Jesus is there with the Father before there was anything created. But after creation, God set in motion his plan of redemption. And he fast-forwards to the ministry of John the Baptist, who was born six months before Jesus was born to Mary. So listen to verse 6. God sent John the Baptist as a witness to the fact that Jesus Christ is the true light. John himself was not the light. He was only a witness to identify it. Later on, six months again, six months after John the Baptist's birth, Jesus was born to Mary. And so probably somewhere in that line, six months after John began his ministry, the one who is the true light arrived to shine on everyone coming into the world. But although he made the world, the world didn't recognize him when he came. Even in his own land and among his own people, the Jews, he was not accepted. Only a few would welcome and receive him. But to all who received him, he gave the right to become children of God. All they needed to do was trust him to save them. May I read that phrase again? All they needed to do was trust him to save them. All those who believe this are reborn, not a physical rebirth resulting from human passion or plan, but from the will of God. And again, folks, keep in mind that John was able to understand that it was God's will, it was God's plan, it was God's desire before creation that his creation would come to redemption and be saved. Verse 14, And Christ became a human being and lived here on earth among us and was full of loving forgiveness and truth. And some of us have seen his glory the glory of the only Son of the Heavenly Father. John pointed him out to the people, telling the crowds, this is the one I was talking about when I said, someone is coming who is greater far than I am. And listen to this last phrase, 
in verse 15. For he existed long before I did. Folks, again, this, this passage of scripture is just so tremendous. And again, listen to what, what John is trying to tell us. John the Baptist is trying to tell us that the plan of salvation was already in God's heart and mind before we were ever created. Verse, six, verse 16, we have all benefited from the rich blessings he brought us, blessings upon blessings heaped upon us. For Moses gave us only the law with its rigid demands and merciless justice, while Jesus Christ brought us loving forgiveness as well. In verse 18, no one has ever actually seen God, but of course his only son has. For he is companion, the companion of the Father, and has told us all about him. Pray with me, please, that God will speak in these moments ahead. Father, we thank you for this portion of your word. And God, at first reading, it seemed so hard and so difficult. Lord, thank you for the glimpse that you gave John into eternity that he in in turn shared not only with the people of his day, as he shared this gospel with them. But thank you, Father, that even thousands of years after the birth of your son in Bethlehem, we can see that the plan of redemption was something that was in your heart and mind before mankind was ever created. Father, what a wonderful and loving God you are. And Jesus, what a wonderful and loving Savior you are that you would volunteer to leave your throne in heaven and to come to this earth and be rejected And to be denied as the Son of God, thank you, Savior, that you died on the cross to set us free from our sin and that one day you're coming back, not as a babe to be born in the manger, but as the King of kings and as the Lord of lords. And Holy Spirit, I pray today that you would just help us, Lord, to to understand in a better way when and where Christmas began. Father, thank you for these that come so faithful. Thank you, Lord, that we can gather and assemble in your house freely and openly. And God, today, I just pray that you'll speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. You remember last Sunday, uh, and, and what I wanted to do was set us up. Why in the world would you and I, as we approach Christmas, study in John chapter 1? Because in John chapter 1, there's no mention of angels. There's no mention of of shepherds or of Joseph and Mary. There's no mention of uh, baby Jesus in the manger. What can we learn about Christmas from studying John chapter 1? And folks, my answer to that is we can learn a whole lot, most especially that before creation, God had the plan of salvation and the coming of his son in his mind and in his heart. And folks, God didn't call an emergency meeting in heaven and say, how are we going to save those sinful people on earth? And then they decided, well, we'll just up and send your son. Folks, all of this had been determined. All of this had been decided before God created mankind. And, and I hope some of you are saying, well, I, I can't fully understand that. Well, folks, I can't either. Because if I could, I wouldn't need God and I wouldn't need a Savior. I'd be smarter than they are. But, folks, because all of us are sinners, we need a Savior. And, folks, I want us this morning to fully understand uh, John chapter 1, we've got to go back to the time between creation 
and the coming of Jesus and what you and I call the first Christmas, okay? And, and I know we're going to be going back to the Old Testament. And I'm going to, again, we, we don't have the screen this morning. I'm going to be reading a lot of scripture to you. But again, I want you to just keep in mind, here's what I'm trying to drive home. Before creation, God had his plan of redemption in place. Before creation, Jesus had already volunteered to come to this earth and save us from our sin. And just stop and think of the many ways throughout history, especially especially in the Old Testament, that God had revealed himself and spoken to his people, not, not just to the Jews, but to all mankind about a Savior who would come. And let's begin with the first man and woman, Adam and Eve. And again, you know this story so very well. God created Adam and Eve and had told them to multiply and, and to fill the earth. And, and immediately after God gave them to one another, Satan enters the picture to tempt them to rebel against God. And you see, as all of us know, and I'm, y'all forgive me, uh, this, this is not my bones that are creaking, this is floor, okay? And I hope that's not too disruptive. But folks, God gave us freedom to choose. And we always choose the wrong thing, don't we? I mean, uh, until we come to faith in Christ and even after being born into the kingdom of God, we still so often make wrong choices, don't we? And Adam and Eve, when they were tempted by Satan, who came in the form of a serpent in the Garden of, of Eden, they, they fell uh, prey to his temptations. Uh, Adam and Eve both doubted God, that God would give them the life that they truly wanted. And so they rebelled, they stumbled, and they sinned. And sin always has consequence. And let me just read this. And if you don't believe it, you just keep sinning and you'll find out what the consequences are. And I know that from my own experience, okay, because I am a sinner too. But when God began to explain to Adam and Eve the consequences of the sin, first he spoke to the devil. Now, again, I I wish this were on the overhead. If you've got your Bible, this is in Genesis 3, 14, and 15. Genesis 3, 14 and 15. The Lord said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you among all cattle and above all wild animals. Upon your belly you shall go and dust shall you eat all the days of your life. And then he says, and, and I'm assuming that Adam and Eve are, are able to hear this conversation. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. Now listen to this. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. And folks, again, at first reading, what does all of this mean? Folks, if you, if you bruise someone's heel, that is not a death blow. But most often, if you bruise someone's head, that is a death blow. And folks, as you and I continue to read the Old Testament, and especially as we have the story of the gospel where Jesus comes and dies on the cross, you see, at the cross, Satan is totally and completely defeated. 
Satan thought that he had destroyed the Son of God by having mankind to reject him and have him nailed on a cross. But folks, that was temporarily. He died as a man on the cross and they buried him in the dead, uh, uh, in a grave as dead. But on the third day as the Son of God and the eternal King of kings and Lord of lords and Savior of the world, he rose victorious. And you might be thinking, well, it's not Easter. You're talking about the crucifixion. Folks, all of this ties together. I don't know how many of you remember the story of the passion. You remember the the passion of the Christ? And I'll be honest with you, I, I haven't seen it since then. It's just too intense for me to take. But the first time I saw it, you remember, if I'm remembering right, in the opening scene of that movie, uh, Peter and John and James are with Jesus. They're in the Garden of Gethsemane, and Jesus is praying. And you remember the snake comes toward him. You remember what Jesus does? He stands up and he stomps the snake on the head. I don't know that that actually happened. There's no reference to that in Scripture, except that that is an interpretation of what is here in Genesis chapter 3. Satan would be able to bruise the heel of Jesus by having him uh, denied and rejected and crucified. But through his crucifixion and death, God would show who this is. This is my beloved son. And he raised him from the dead. And that destroys the power of Satan and sin and rebellion. And folks, all of this ties back. To Adam and Eve, who in the Bible are the first sinners. But from the very beginning when there is sinners, in the word of God there is a story of a redeemer that would come. And folks, it is no accident. And again, I don't know how well I'm going to be able to communicate this. But there's so much in the gospel records about the birth of Jesus that ties Adam and Eve into this thing. In Luke chapter 3, Luke gives a genealogy genealogy of Jesus' forefathers. You know, those boring things in Matthew chapter 1 and in Luke chapter 3 that it's so hard to pronounce many of the names. I'm not trying to be sarcastic. I'm, I'm in there with you, okay? But if it's in the Word of God, it's got importance to the story of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in Luke chapter 3... And, and, and it's, it's just, you know, Luke does it so casually, but listen to this. Uh, Luke chapter th- uh, 3, verse 23, Jesus, when he began his ministry, was about 30 years of age, being the son, as was supposed, of Joseph, the son of Hali. And then he begins to talk about Joseph's, Joseph's parentage, and so make descendant, Jesus would be a descendant of these people as a human being on this earth. But you know how it ends in verse 38? The son of Enos, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. And the son of God there means that he was created by God. But you and I understand that in reading that passage of Scripture, that Luke understood that if you're going to understand why Jesus was born, you trace it all the way back to Adam. And Adam and Eve needed a Savior. Guess what? God had plans of redeeming mankind, and that plan is being made complete in the coming of Jesus Christ. And the story of Christmas is not only about the birth of the Son of God, but it is about the faithfulness of God to complete what he says he will do. And he began, he began before creation, before Adam and Eve sinned. 
God had this plan in place. And that's what we celebrate, folks. Our God loves us so much that in knowing that we would be sinners, he provided a Savior for us. And back here in Genesis 3, 14 and 15 is the first biblical promise of God's redeeming the world. Because again, you see, immediately upon mankind sinning, God immediately promises sinful mankind that he will send a savior, a deliverer. And that not only will this deliverer free them from Satan and sin and death, but the powers of darkness will be destroyed. But folks, how would this happen? How would God send this redeemer? Well, let me read, let me read one of the verses that tells us, and you know this verse very well, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Listen to this, Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call him Emmanuel. Folks, there's so many reasons that Jesus had to be born of a virgin. It's not a natural birth. It is, it is an act of God. She is conceived by the Holy Spirit. And folks, it had to happen this way because God had promised. But you see, for Jesus to be able to take upon himself our sin, he had to be, he had to be God. He had to be without sin. And you see, six or seven hundred years before the coming of Jesus, through the prophet Isaiah, God is speaking, I'm getting ready to do something that will lead to the redemption of mankind. It was all in his plan. Folks, in Genesis chapter 12, when God calls Abraham to be obedient to him, and God begins to spell out what he's going to do in Abraham's life, He says, I'll make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And this is Genesis 12, 3. Listen to this. I will bless those who bless you and him who curses you, I will curse. And listen to the last part. By you, all the families of the earth shall bless themselves. Folks, what does that mean? All the families of the earth shall bless himself. Hold on for just a second, okay? Because I want to add another promise to this. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 16, as David's life is getting toward the end and he knows that a successor will follow him as king over Israel, and God is not only speaking about his son Solomon, but he's speaking about his descendants. Listen to this. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever. Your throne will be established forever. Now, who is he talking about? Who is God promising here? Not only Solomon, who would immediately succeed David, but he's talking about the one who would come, who would establish a throne forever and ever, the Lord Jesus Christ. And you say... I don't know if I can believe that or not. Well, the gospel writers believed it. Let me read to you the first verse of the first chapter of the gospel of Matthew. Remember again, Matthew along with Luke provides a genealogy of the forefathers 
earthly forefathers of Jesus as a man. And listen to how Matthew begins his gospel. Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. The book of the genealogy, and he doesn't say Jesus of Nazareth, but he says Jesus Christ. The genealogy of Jesus Christ. And who does he say he is a son of? Number one, the son of David. Why? Second Samuel 7, 16. God is going to establish David's throne forever. And then he says, the son of who? Abraham. That goes back to Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, where God said, through your seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. And folks, remember again that we've already said in Luke chapter 3, Luke follows the genealogy of Jesus back to who? Adam. And let me point out again, if you, if you jotted down Luke chapter 3 and you want to read that genealogy of Jesus, in Luke chapter 3, verse 31, Jesus is the descendant of David, and in verse 34, he is the descendant of Abraham. And again, folks, I, I hope you're saying, well, do we really need to understand this? Do we really need to know this? Yes, we do. Because throughout the centuries, God had been at work. God had been preparing that first Christmas before Adam and Eve sinned, before Adam and Eve were ever created. And let me point out in the Old Testament also the prophecies of the coming Savior. We've already read Isaiah 7, 14, where God promises that a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and you'll call his name Emmanuel. You remember where you hear that again? And I know that you do. Matthew chapter 1. As the angel is sent to Joseph, you remember? Mary is pregnant. And Joseph and Mary have not come together as man and wife. And, and Joseph is, is trying to figure out how can I divorce her quietly and not cause her a lot of shame. And you remember what happened? An angel came to Joseph in a dream and said, That which is, is in Mary is, is not your seed or another man's. It is a, a child of the Holy Spirit. And the angel tells Joseph this. She shall bear a son. This is Matthew chapter 1 beginning with verse 21. She shall bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sin. And listen to this. This is verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and his name shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Folks, listen. The birth of Jesus, the pregnancy of Mary, although she has never had sexual relationships with a man, it's no accident. It was the plan and purpose of God. And folks, let me just go back and, and catch a couple of more prophecies, okay, that came to be in the coming of Jesus. Again, in the book of Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 9, and you've heard these verses. This is Isaiah 9, verse 6 and 7. For to us is born, a child is born, to us a son is given. The government will be upon his shoulder 
His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it, to uphold it with justice and with righteousness. And folks, in, in Luke chapter 1, as the angel comes to Mary, as the angel Gabriel comes to Mary and says, you're going to have a baby and she says, it can't be. I've, I've never been with a man. And the, the angel Gabriel goes on to tell her that, that God is at work. And he says, behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus. And then listen to what he says. This is Luke 1, 32 and 33. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Folks, you see, that again is fulfilling of Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. Let me give you two more examples, okay? In Matthew chapter 2, the wise men come and they're following a star. You remember that? And they go to Herod and they say, we've come to, 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 to visit the king of the Jews. Where will he be born? Where, where is his birthplace? And Herod doesn't know, but he is so jealous because no one is going to compete with his throne. And so he calls together. Now listen to this. He calls together the chief priest and the scribes. Those are the Jewish religious teachers that know the scripture. And he says, where will the Christ be born? You remember? You remember what they tell him? The Christ will be born where? In Bethlehem. Why will the Christ be born in Bethlehem? Because folks, in the word of God, in the Old Testament, Micah chapter 5, verse 2. Listen to this. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrata, who are little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth from me, one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose origin is from old, from ancient of days. Now, where was Jesus born? Bethlehem. Just as Micah said. And folks, not only, not only does that fulfill the prophecy, but you know, y'all know how much I love the outdoors and I love nature. And one of, the, one of the great ways to me of knowing the greatness of God is just the testimony of nature. And I think about, uh, I think about Psalms 19. Let, let me just read a couple of verses, okay? Psalms 19. I'm, I'm going to read these and I'll, I'm just about finished, okay? The heavens are telling the glory of God and the firmament proclaims his handiwork. You know, you and I, know one of the great ways that God testifies to himself and to his eternal power and to his control of the seen and unseen world and his destiny for man is nature, isn't it? The universe. And guess what? When Jesus was born, what declared the glory of God in the coming of the sun? The star of Bethlehem. I've just mentioned it. Those wise men came to Herod and said, where is he that's born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star. And let me read these verses. 
the complete that story. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star appeared. And he sent to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for his child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. And of course, we know that's a lie because Herod seeks to kill the baby Jesus. When they heard the king, they went their way and lo, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary's mother. They fell down and worshipped him. Folks, listen. The Old Testament cries out for you and I to understand that the coming of Jesus was predicted, was prophesied, was prepared every since God knew that man would rebel against him. God planned to send a redeemer, and he did. And John is trying to tell us, folks, in those first couple of verses in his gospel, before anything else existed, there was Christ with God. And folks, that's where the ball gets rolling, so to speak, The story of Christmas is about how much God truly loves us. You know, as I think about this story and about what God said he was going to do and God did it, think about all the promises yet to be realized. God said, I'm going to send my son back at the appointed time. And folks, just as that first coming of Christ was promised and predicted and prophesied, his second coming, And I'm bringing this into the story because, you see, the total plan that God had before eternity, before creation in eternity, has not yet been fully realized. And we're still in progress, that plan that he has. But, folks, make no mistake about it. The Christmas story is about God's plan of redeeming the world from sin. You know, I believe that's why old John come up with that with recording what Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Folks, the Christmas story is far greater than our decorations and our gifts. And I enjoy them, as I said last Sunday, as much as anybody. But it's about the love of God for you. And look. I'm sorry, y'all. I hit the button by mistake, all right? Let's, let's, let's pray together. Father, I pray this morning that you've taken your words and revealed more about your son to us. And you've helped us come to grips with a whole lot more understanding about why Jesus came. And that, Father, it's more than a holiday. It is truly a holy day as we remember how much you love us and what Jesus has done for us. God, I pray today that if there's someone here that has not yet trusted Christ as Savior, that, Lord, you'll take your word and reveal your son to them and that whether it would be in this hour or the days ahead, that they'll come to faith in Christ. And God, again, thank you that we have truly got so much to celebrate as your children.
Thank you again, Lord, for what your son has done, is doing, and is going to do for us who have trusted him as our Savior. In his name we pray. Amen. Our hymn this morning is number 206, Silent Night. And as we stand to sing, if the Holy Spirit of God is leading you, if the Spirit of God is leading you to make some type of public decision or commitment, would you come? Let us stand.
Dear Lord, we do ask that special prayer for all the remaining that's been mentioned today that are sick and studying. Dear Lord, we ask you to be with the ones that's not here today for whatever reason. You'll bring them back at the proper time and give you all of it. Thank you again, Lord, for what you do for us today. In Jesus' name we pray.